section ten the final section of what she said and what she meant and people who haven't time and can't afford it by pansy this librivox recording is in the public domain people who haven't time and can't afford it chapter five first fruits was mrs layman discouraged now do you think you must constantly remember that she was not made of the material which discourages else she would never have started she counted the cost before ever she did start and assuredly having put her hand to the plough she meant not to look back she rehearsed her afternoon's work again at the tea-table this time with more pity and commiseration for the narrow souls of others than with laughter and grandma sagely remarked that she hadn't hit the right medium yet it was not among the people who were engaged in that most hopeless of all struggles the trying to seem rich that you found open hearts for the needs and pity for the sins of the abject poor were all the people in mrs layman's reach of the stamp who ignored their relationship to the souls for whom christ died by no manner of means were they you have only the result of two afternoons of work and even in those afternoons was there not a miss maud with her golden purse and her fresh young hands and her consecrated heart what a glorious helper she was how they planned and worked together those two sisters in christ revealing by their loving friendship and cooperation the very depth of the meaning of that tender and constantly abused term sisters in christ i wish i had time to tell you about other calls and other helpers very different some of them from miss maud and yet equally grand in their way there was a mother who had a drunken son who with his wife had gone down into the depths and the mother in her neat home with her widow's weeds and her poverty wrung mrs layman's hand and said mid choking tears god bless you i am doing what i can but it is very little and it will be so blessed to have help and god will bless you he will in very deed and mrs layman looking at her believed it there was crisp trim little miss priscilla hunter who sewed all day in her attic room on clothes for boys too young or too poor to go to the regular clothing establishments poor was mrs hunter that is people looking on called her so but after all i hardly knew of a richer person than miss priscilla hunter time she said bless you yes there is always time for what ought to be done whether it is to finish a jacket or pick up a basket of chips for somebody poorer or lamer than you are yourself it is a good idea too i wonder you have been so many years in getting it thought out help of course i will i'll bring my scissors and snip out things for you in odd hours oceans of things can be done in odd hours and i've got a little bundle laid away that will do to make over for somebody and mrs jackson has an attic full of trumpery that she will never use i'll see that a good load of it gets sent around to the room you've got a good room it's mr hordwell's isn't it of course he'll let you have it i'll see him if you want me to he's a friend of mine 
i'll slip up there between daylight and dark and see about it what a helper was miss priscilla with her snipping and her slipping here and there and her strong vigorous helpful words like whiffs of breezes blowing fresh from off the sea there was mrs harland an invalid never moving out of that one room never moving in that room except in her wheeled chair what wonders she could do she had access to her husband's purse through his heart it was not a very powerful purse and yet it constantly overflowed toward the industrial school for i hope you understand that there was an industrial school and a soup room and a free lunch room or what was better than free a lunch room where the honest and industrious poor could come and for five cents purchase a dinner there were mothers who work could and did work hard till noon over the wash tub then slip around the corner to the depot of supplies and for a dime purchase food enough for a decent and wholesome dinner for husband and children ready cooked when her work made it a necessity to be so prepared ready to be cooked and with careful directions how to cook it when that was all the help needed so far had broadened and deepened the scheme that had begun in mrs layman's brain further than that it was taking on new plans and schemes every day it involved a reading-room and a free library open to the poorest and a store of supplies that could be purchased at the bare cost of furnishing them and when needful less than the bare cost it took in a pledge to attend a sunday school and a church service and a pledge to neither touch taste nor handle anything that could intoxicate slowly but surely all these plans moved there was no thought of failure where there is a will there is a way dr vincent has improved upon that time-honored saying by adding where there is a woman there is a will grand hearts and great purses took hold of mrs layman's idea there was mr mcmartin who as soon as he became aware of what was being attempted and before it had taken such proportions as to rouse the public pride inquired and listened and nodded and wrote his check for five hundred dollars and sent it by his errand boy to mrs layman with his compliments there was mrs chester a woman with five children and a sick husband who sent tied up in the corner of a handkerchief a dime for her husband and a dime for herself and a five-cent piece for each of the five and an ill-spelled note to the effect that the children prayed every night that god would bless the work and mrs layman laid the sacred dimes and five-cent bits side by side with the five hundred dollar check and thanked god for them all and knew that in his hands the one would accomplish as much as the other she had her triumphs too as the days went on the misses veter attired themselves once of a sunny afternoon in summer silks and swept into the industrial schoolrooms and owed over the extreme neatness of the little pupils and the skill they had acquired with their needles and asked wouldn't it be nice to teach some of them to do fancy work and they might be able to actually support themselves by it and mrs layman the superintendent of the enterprise 
rejoicing that the young ladies actually desired to consecrate their talents to usefulness formed a class in fancy needlework and the young ladies took turns in attending it then came one day mrs van norman's carriage and mrs van norman's footman and a basket of the most elegant frosted plum cakes in delicate patty tins with mrs van norman's compliments for the children of the industrial school she was so delighted with their singing the other evening at the hall as for mrs johnson she had devoted that afternoon to making calls with mrs layman and the sights she saw made her so sick at heart and so sore of conscience that she could eat no cake for her supper and at intervals for several days afterwards she said oh my oh mercy me dear dear who could have thought it and any other term that seemed to her to express indignation or commiseration or dismay and then she went to work hands and heart and soul for the poor she hasn't given a tea-party since that time company she has had pleasant reasonable gatherings social reunions in her pretty parlor but not a single regular planned six-caked pickled creamed jellied campaign since that memorable afternoon she hasn't had time now there are those who criticize mrs layman and others of her class they broadly hint that a woman who has so much to do for others must neglect her own that her house must suffer or her table or her children or her dress something is wrong to be sure her house is still the sunny home it always was to be sure her friends still like to go to mrs layman's because everything always looks so fresh and nice and the children are so well behaved and happy but then of course something must be wrong or she with her three children could never give a whole afternoon each week to say nothing of constant odd hours to outside work it does necessitate care the husbanding of the seconds the cutting off of many a ruffle and tuck and frill and pucker but mrs layman has chosen between them since she cannot do both she has decided that the souls of the poor whom satan hath bound are of more importance than the decorations of the bodies which belong to the lord's freemen was she above criticism yes really and truly above it she had gotten where it hardly jarred up on deck where the sky was fair occasionally she laughed about the comments in a good-natured way there were always those who stood ready to let her hear of the comments just for friendship's sake you know there will always be that class of people on the earth at least until the millennium i really believe i ought to make a tidy she said briskly to grandma one evening a tidy said grandma lifting her head and putting her spectacles up on her forehead and looking as though she thought much planning had made her daughter mad what does the child mean well mother you know i neglect my family and i've been looking into it i don't see but the house is in pretty good order and we have all excellent appetites and the children are pretty well clothed 
there seems to be nothing actually lacking for the comfort of this family unless it is a tidy we are really deficient in that luxury or necessity perhaps i ought to set to work grandma saw the point and laughed until her cap strings shook like leaves but mr layman took a more serious view of the matter i beg you don't he said earnestly whatever you may be tempted to do in revenge in this world don't make a tidy if i had the naming of them i'd call them untidies if they are not the torment of a man i don't know what is i never go to mr coleman's but when i get out of a chair there is one sticking to my back and one to each elbow and i always have an uncomfortable feeling that there may be one hanging to my hair and the criticisms that troubled mrs layman so little were infinitely more than balanced by the blessed rewards of the work she always remembered a certain summer afternoon when the first fruits of a glorious harvest the extent of which can only be known in eternity were gathered in it was one of those homes that had been low and destitute and uncleanly and awful it was a mother and she lay dying and on the table but a few feet from her stood a little coffin neat tasteful delicate and the baby with golden head sleeping peacefully within was as sweet and as pure and as white-robed as any mother's darling that was ever laid away in coffined bed in her baby hand she clasped a small white fragrant bud and the mother's eyes over which the film of death was creeping sought ever and anon that tiny coffin and as often as she saw it she smiled and among her last words on earth were these baby and i are safe baby is gone where he said suffer them to come and i am going he is waiting for me and there is a clean white dress there for me for me and i the voice fails stops gathers strength for one last effort and i should never have known anything about it at all or about him if it hadn't been for you and there was brought another coffin neat and decorous large enough to receive mother and child and there were pure flowers strewn up and down the quiet forms lying therein and around the coffin a hymn was sung asleep in jesus blessed sleep from which none ever wakes to weep a calm and undisturbed repose unbroken by the last of foes and the minister read from the bible and among his selections came these words precious in the sight of the lord is the death of his saints what over that coffin holding that sad sinful almost lost mother holding that baby child of the lowliest and lowest of earth yes indeed precious in the sight of the lord is the death of his saints ye that are weary and heavy laden beloved of god called to be saints come unto me and they had gone 
and mrs layman had risen away above criticism and pettiness and envy and misunderstanding into the realm of christ-like work and christ-given joy end of section ten end of what she said and what she meant and people who haven't time and can't afford it by pansy